0: Our accounting friends at Wayne Enterprises are coming for breakfast. Here? Why? Because I couldn't get you to go there. I haven't got
1: time for this. It's getting serious, Bruce. If this continues, it won't be long before you've nothing left. I don't care about that. Any of that. You don't care about your family's legacy? What I'm doing is my family's legacy.
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this special episode of the Wampus Lair podcast, where we won't be talking anything Star Wars, nothing but the Batman. That's right. This incredible new movie. I just have so much to say about it, as does my friend, first time ever podcaster, an old friend of mine who has been keeping me company with all things the Batman the last few weeks. It's my good old friend, Amy Gay. Hi, Amy. Carl? Yes. thanks for having me yeah i'm so excited like you and i have been texting up a storm since this movie has come out and you have said so you have just had so many awesome observations and i was just like hey amy you want to make a podcast about this and i was so happy yeah. that you
1: said yes the moment you said that the words of jesse spano i'm so excited and i just can't hide it <laughs> came through my head are nonstop, you- <laughs> and i've been bouncing ever since are you taking caffeine pills uh, I'm drinking Starbucks, which is kind of the same thing.
0: <laughs> uh, but that's right, everybody. We are going to look at the most recent Batman movie starring Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz, s- created and directed by Matthew Reeves. Um, Amy, this is the second longest comic book movie in history, second only to end- um, Avengers Endgame. It is a very slow burn movie, but I think it's an absolute masterpiece. Um, super curious, just, you know, right out, right out the, right out the bat cave. What was your initial impression the first time you saw this movie?
1: The first time I was just in awe. Um, I guess I'll start with a little TMI too. I'm normally somebody that takes a lot of bathroom breaks in movies. I can't control it. (laughs) I only took one and I made a mad dash and I sprinted back and I picked a good part to do it in. I never, I didn't look up any of the scenes of when's the best time to go, but it was, it was just fabulous. It was it's one of those that it was so dark and it was just beautiful. Um, it's actually the first Batman movie. I started to get a little teary eyed and even it was just it's just everything about it is just beautiful.
0: Yeah. Teary eyed. Oh, man, I I, I I cried pretty hard almost every time I've watched it um, <laughs> at certain parts. Um, so that said, before we go any further, I almost forgot to mention, obviously, spoilers ahead. If you've not yet seen the Batman I recommend tuning out until you have because we're going to talk about all the things in this movie that we feel compelled to talk about without without uh, any thought to spoiling things. So if you've not seen it and don't want to be spoiled, now's your time to turn off because we are not going to hold back. Um, but as a as, just as like a, a way to start, Amy, what was your what was your introduction to Batman? You know, I mean, I think you and I both were even before the movie came out, talking a lot about how excited we were for it, clearly because we have a history of enjoying the story of Batman. What was kind of your introduction to, the, to, to this mythology?
1: Yeah, and you know, I know it's all things Batman, but it takes me back to my childhood days when I first started getting into Star Wars 2, and it was about the same time, and I'd watch some of those campy Adam West episodes um, and it was like a comic book coming to life. You'd have the pow, wham, <laughs> cheesy jokes going on, and just all the color and excitement. And the music of it was just it's just so fun. And as a kid, I just was enthralled with it. And then, you know, I got into the Tim Burton ones. I am a Tim Burton fan. Um, watching Michael Keaton as Batman was great. And uh, Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman, I just, I-, I loved her as Catwoman as well. So I was really into that movie. Um, and you know, riding on the bus in fourth grade when we were in elementary school, I used to listen on cassette tape to the Batman forever soundtrack. And, you know, it just, it just stuck with me ever since. And, um, I, I started watching a lot of the HBO, uh, cartoons that have been coming out, some of the oldies, um, and some of the animated series. And it just, it takes me back sometimes, but it's all so good.
0: <laughs> yeah. How about
1: you, Carl? What got you into Batman? Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, it's very similar story. I mean, it makes sense. You and I are essentially the same age. I mean, we, we, Graduated high school together, um, you know. I, I, my first memories of Batman were, of course, the Adam West show. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't watch it religiously, but I do remember it being on TV. I, I, and the thing was is when I first saw it, I was very young, so I didn't, I didn't recognize it as camp. It was just, it was Batman. Yay, he was awesome, right? <laughs> um, and my, my grandfather had, because it had been my uncle's, but he had in his garage. A, uh, it was basically like a Power Wheels version, um, or excuse me, yeah, Power Wheels version of the, the Adam West Batmobile in the garage that I could uh-huh. ride around. And it was so fun to, to hop in and ride around as a kid. Um, but my, my my love of Batman definitely started with the animated series in, you know, 93 when that show was running. Um, I remember getting up every Saturday morning to watch it. I remember buying the toys and playing with them. And, it you know, so... Um, Kevin Conroy, of course, the, the, the original voice of that Batman, uh, he was my original Batman and I never saw the Keaton movies when they came out. I saw Batman returns like years after it came out. Um, when I was probably in like middle school, I don't remember much of it. I just, I mean, I remember being very excited by Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman. Um,
1: (laughs) aren't we all? Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I loved penguin, like real life penguins being on camera, because who doesn't love a good penguin, oh, like yeah. actual penguins, right? Um, Following
1: Danny DeVito around all <laughs> wiggly lake,
0: yeah. Uh, but it, it was it was the Chris Nolan trilogy that really like cemented my love as kind of an adult Batman fan. Mm. Um yeah. and uh, the Dark Knight trilogy is my third favorite trilogy only to the the original and prequel trilogies of Star Wars. I mean I I, I <laughs> Of
1: course. Yeah. Yeah,
0: of course. Obviously, this is a Star Wars podcast. <laughs> I I do in fact love Star Wars more than Batman, but um but Batman was it was kind of my first real uh real love as a kid. It right until I was introduced to Star Wars and then everything kind of fell away. But um it's been really fun like especially in light of the Nolan trilogy and now this new this new story about how incredible uh, the story of Batman can be. Um, and <laughs> there's so much in this movie, Amy. So much in it. Oh,
1: I know. And Trying to even just like think about what to wrap our heads around in this short amount of time was really hard for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, well, I know we both did our own versions of prepping for the movie more... More so out of excitement, not, like, not because we wanted homework, but because we were excited to see it <laughs> and wanted to consume Batman material beforehand. Um, I went the comic book route. You went the movie route. Um, mm-hmm. So which movies did you rewatch? What, what was your take on them? What was your takeaway? Uh, and did you see any? and I, I mean, I, I know that we did, but did, are there any big elements from the movies you watched that made their way into the Batman
1: yeah, you know, I rewatched both Michael Keaton movies. Um, I rewatched uh, Batman Forever, the Christopher Nolan movies, and I even rewatched the first two Twilight movies just to get an idea of <laughs> Robert Pattinson in the younger <laughs> vampire days. Because people compare his uh, Batman, Bruce Wayne, to a vampire, um, so just trying to get that feel of where he may have harnessed that from. But I'd say he's grown a lot since those days, um, which is really great. Um, but yeah, you know the the. Tim Burton ones they had more of that that darkness to them and this one has a lot of dark gothic scenery just everywhere it's always either clouded over or just darkness every you hear all the noises and even in Bruce's house it's just when he's pushing a table you hear the sound of the table just uh roaring across the floor and it just makes this vibrant noise to it and it takes him you know four or five pushes just to get it into the center of the room It's all this this dark furniture, this wood, these chandeliers. Um, Everything just has that dark, and it has like this castle feel to it. Um, And then you know the Christopher Nolan ones. There's a lot of differences, but um, comparing and contrasting the two, um, you know, uh, in uh, Christian Bale's Batman, he calls Batman um, a monster, and Mm -hmm. in uh, in this the Batman, Robert Pattinson's version of it. The Batman is his identity. It seems he doesn't really know who Bruce is, whereas in the Christopher Nolan ones, um, Bruce Wayne is his real identity, and he's this monster by night to just bring justice that's temporary. Where it seems more in the Batman, the Batman is the real person. That's his identity, and Bruce Wayne doesn't really exist, and he just has this awkwardness about being Bruce. Um, those are just you know some great things about it. And then the music itself, even, um, you know, the... the when you hear music from other movies uh, with Hans Zimmer and everything too, in Christopher Nolan version, it has a little bit more of like this hero-esque tone to it. But when you get the music for Robert Pattinson's version, it's just, he calls he says in the beginning, I am vengeance. And it just has this, you know, these, these loud booming noises, dun, 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 and you just hear him <laughs> stomping everywhere. He comes in the opening of him is just stomping and you see this fear filling people's eyes. And he's just a different, kind of person.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I, I think the reason I love this movie so much and what makes it unique, um, specifically from the Nolan trilogy is Nolan was kind of telling the story of Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne creates the Batman to combat this, <laughs> this trauma he's faced, but the Batman essentially, even though he, he creates it with this noble intent, It's something that seems to imprison him that which is why, you know, Dark Knight Rises, there's there's this like triumphant sensibility because Bruce is finally free of the Batman. He's retired Mm -hmm. away with with Selena. Um, And I love that. Like I loved my favorite thing about Dark Knight Rises. And I think this movie does not get enough appreciation. The reason I love that movie so much is because it has a solid ending. And that's one thing like I love Marvel movies now. But one thing that bums me out is we'll never have an ending (laughs) because like they're just going to keep telling stories because because they're comic book movies. Right. Um, So I loved how Nolan actually gave an ending to his story. But the the thing I particularly love about the Batman is that unlike Nolan's trilogy, which is the story of Bruce Wayne, the Batman is the story of Batman. Batman Mm -hmm. goes on a hero's journey not Bruce Wayne Bruce Wayne is Bruce Wayne is the alter ego very clearly in this movie which is why he has Mm -hmm. about maybe 10 minutes of screen time in a three hour movie Um, this is the story of Batman and Batman is the hero Um, and I love that like I felt like that was a, a really wonderful take and again like. I didn't do any of the other movies prior to this. I I did the 89 Batman. Just I was like, all right, I'm going to try to do all of them beforehand. But (laughs) I just I hate Michael Keaton's Batman. And I'm sure a lot of you are probably super pissed at me for saying that. But I just I can't stand Michael Keaton as Batman. (laughs) Um, He's better than I think the worst is Ben Affleck, which I'm sure a lot of you might also still be mad at me. But I think Ben Affleck's the worst than Michael Keaton. Worse than George Clooney. Actually, no, he's better than George Clooney.
1: Okay. Ben Affleck <laughs> is also better. George Clooney
0: is the absolute <laughs> worst than Ben Affleck. Um, but uh, I think Pattinson is the best Batman like and it's not even close. Like I love Christian Bale. I think Christian Bale is a phenomenal Bruce mm-hmm. Wayne. I also think it's unfair to compare other Bruce Waynes to Pattinson's because the other Bruce's are in very different places. It's very yeah. different stories for them. So I think it's almost unfair to compare those. Um, but it's, I think it's certainly fair to compare all the Batman incarnations, and I just think Pattinson's is the best, and it's particularly the most accurate to the comics that I've at least read. So in preparation, yeah. the big comics I read that I particularly found influential to this story was, of course, the two great stories by um, Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale, Long Halloween and Dark Victory. So Long Halloween, it's, I mean, it's a detective story. Uh, this movie is exactly that; it's a detective story. But Dark Victory, my Dark Victory, is my favorite Batman graphic novel, and it's it's very similar to Long Halloween. It's a, it's a it's an immediate sequel to it. It's also a detective story, but buried in it is the 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 story of him finding Dick Grayson. And the thing I loved in the Batman is that the movie starts with him seeing this kid who's experienced the exact same thing he did, right? The, the murder of a parent. Um, mm-hmm. And the movie ends with him. He's the, you know, he's the kid that he rescues first at the end of the movie. And we'll get into the, all of that a little bit later. Um, but that's right out of dark victory. Dark victory mm. is the story. And, and it is when, I mean, Dick Grayson isn't honest. He's not actually in the book until towards the end, but when he's introduced, there's all these beautiful parallels of the young Bruce Wayne story with young Dick Grayson. They're like, they're they're Every, every other panel in the comic story is showing the similarity of these two characters. It's really beautifully done. So I felt like that, that use of that young boy at the start of the movie, the, the mayor's son um, felt very heavily influenced by dark victory. And then of course there was ego. Um, ego was the book that Robert Pattinson, particularly in almost every interview referenced. And ego is this comic story written by Darwin cook uh, about uh, the story begins with Batman unable to save somebody who commits suicide, and he he falls into this this place of wanting to give up being the Batman. And the Batman it's 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 this very like mystical story. The Batman is part of his psyche, and he's having this battle Bruce Wayne versus the Batman. And ultimately, they come into a union. I don't want to give too many details away because it's such a good story. I encourage reading it but it's very clear that that's that's a lot of what this story is as well. Um and then the last one I want to point out is uh Tom King has been writing well I think he's done now but Tom King has written the best Batman comics I have ever read ever. And I love Tim Sales Batman stuff but I think Tom King is amazing. And there's a a a friend on on Twitter Uh, uh, Obes Kenobes, a guy named Jim, absolutely wonderful, wonderful person. Uh, He put me onto it. He made a post about how Tom King writes his favorite Batman stories because he actually focuses on Batman rather than who Batman is in light of the villains he faces. And that's exactly what Tom King writes. His very first compilation of stories is called I Am Gotham. And it's about. Batman talking about why he's Batman and how it's this thing that he just is. It's just who he is. And I feel like that's the, the angle again of this story, right? Like Nolan was all right, you're going to be Batman for a little bit, but you got to get out of it. This is the story of, no, I am Batman. That is my identity, right? Yeah. Bruce Wayne is just Bruce Wayne is the alter ego. Batman is who I am. Um, and, and that story is absolutely phenomenal. So I don't know. I've never heard Tom King referenced by either Matt Reeves or Robert Pattinson in all the interviews I've watched, but I feel like they have to have read them because there's so much of that in this story about this idea that Batman is a hero and Batman is his identity.
1: Yeah, I really like that. And, you know, I'm I'm totally with you on this idea of Bruce Wayne is the alter ego. And, you know, even even when the few times that Bruce Wayne is on is on screen. You know, he has trouble with eye contact except when it mm. comes to the little boy or when he does try to make eye contact, he looks up to the side and just looks very uncomfortable with a moment of eye contact as as Bruce Wayne. And even uh when he's when he's going to uh Falcone's office to talk to him about his father, you if you notice the way he walks, he's still doing the Batman stomp, but he doesn't have his Batman boots, so it's just walking in a very awkward stomping manner uh, without making any of the the scary noises that would have come as Batman um, and it's just it you know when he's when he's the Batman too he has this vision of his father um, you know as this perfect hero and that's who he's trying to be as Batman whereas in the other movies I feel like it's more Bruce Wayne trying to be like Thomas Wayne as the hero and just needs this alter ego of Batman to do it
0: yeah that's a good point <laughs> Yeah and here it's it's learning to be the hero just as he is. Mm-hmm. Um and I I really yeah um well anyway the you referenced this earlier and this is the the first thing I want to actually just point out um is just the way this movie starts. Um and yes there's there's the horror scene with the Riddler because that's basically what that opening scene is. I mean it feels like it's straight out of a horror picture. Um, Mm -hmm. but I love the introduction of Batman, the the, the Nolan, the Nolan trilogy. I never loved his introduction of Batman. As much as I love that trilogy, I hate the way Batman's introduced. Uh, I shouldn't say, hate. it's just not my favorite. Michael Keaton's Batman introduction is like, it's one of the only parts of that movie that I do enjoy. Um, but this just blows everything away. And again, I think this is, this is the point of good storytelling is you're always building and hopefully making better what came before. Right. Um, and the way Batman is introduced, you, you have this really awesome, like guitar riff being played with his theme, just kind of coming over and over and over again. And then like you said, Amy, right. You hear the pounding of his boots, right? Like it took me back to 93 with Jurassic park. When you hear the T-Rex approaching, (laughs) you know, like that, that sound effect of just his boots thudding and thudding. And then as soon as he appears out of the shadows, you get the, the, they're essentially like death tell they're like death bells right like you have like these big bells playing his theme the dum 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 but they're played on these like chilling bells it's like death is now here and i love that close up shot of his boots just like in the rain i mean he is yeah terrifying and then he just pummels that vill like that 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 gang member i mean he just pummels him when he punches him off his feet and the the sound effects and like uh-huh. Um and I think the way Matt Reeves captures the violence of Batman in this opening scene is perfect in the sense that it captures the sensibility that he's brutal He's scary, but he doesn't get off on it like Zack Snyder likes to. Like, I just hate the way Zack Snyder does violence. Like he he like he makes it into like porn. It's disgusting. I just I can't stand Zack Snyder, um, like not as a human being. Like he seems like a great guy, but I can't stand his movies. And I hate I hate the way he does violence. Like he he kind of fetishizes it and it's disgusting in my mind. But what Matt Reeves gives us here at the beginning is. Holy shit, Batman is terrifying. He will beat the shit out of you, <laughs> but yeah like but he's not going to show you like blood and like he it's not like Batman gets off on the violence, um he just does it as as a means to an end, and when he just totally just destroys that gang i mean i my I think my favorite shot in the movie is after he pummels that guy and then we get. We kind of pan out and he rises up and the music rises with him, you know, as you kind of get his silhouette staring down the gang. And you're just like, oh, they are screwed. <laughs> uh, it, it, I think it's the most intimidating Batman has ever appeared on screen. And, um, and, it, and it's so scary that, the, you know, the, the guy he's there to kind of protect, if you will, says, mm-hmm. don't, please don't hurt me. Right. Like Batman is terrifying yeah. even to the good people.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And I, you know, that opening scene too, just like, I just remember being just wide-eyed and like, yes, here we go, here we go. And it just, they shut the music down quiet and you just hear all the noises between the rain falling and any of the hits and the kicks Mm. going on, anything happening, you just hear every single sound. And just the way they do sound effects and music in this movie is just so on point with the gothic feel of it. Mm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) What was, well, what was one of the first things that like, grabbed you from the movie. I mean, that that was it for me. I mean, I was just, as soon as, <laughs> as soon as like, and it's so cool. Like, again, there's just like the brilliance of, so the, the cinematographer, Greg Fraser or Greg Faser, um, is the same cinematographer who did rogue one. He did the new movie dune, which I did not see. Uh, he did, um, he did a couple episodes of Mandalorian. Like he's a really good cinematographer, and I love the way that it opens after the Riddler scene. It looks like you're looking through the Batman cowl, but in fact, you're inside the Bat Signal being turned on. It's so cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just that that introduction of Batman, like I was, it just it hooked me right from the get go. I was I was all in at that point.
1: Oh yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Carl. It just like the second I saw that scene go go down, it just the noises and just watching him stomp in there. It just It was just everything to me. I was just in awe and just, you know, the rest of the movie, I'm just sitting there just very focused. And, you know, then they they pan out into these other dark scenes and you see him walking through um, to come to the crime scene in in the first instance uh, with Gordon. And all the police are just, you know, not really knowing what to do. And that was just another great scene. Just like you see all these people in fear, but wondering why would somebody who is, you know, a lieutenant bring this, guy this scary guy to a police crime scene of all places mm. um he's one of the criminals why is he here nobody really knows what to do about him but they're so afraid that they don't really do anything either um and just watching him just you know observe the scene in a different way and have this analytical mind about it while they're all sitting there trying to figure out the puzzles um it just it just drew me in from the start
0: yeah that that <laughs> That's a great POV shot of of him following Gordon down the hallway of cops. Yeah. Um, and there's something about his cape. I really love the look of his cape when we get those shots of his broad shoulders from behind. Um, it actually looks similar to the material of Darth Vader's cape to me. Um, and he he's, as he walks into that crime scene, he almost feels like a walking corpse. Like he he feels like a funeral incarnate. Um and when I saw the movie for the first time the people sitting next to me uh, I don't know why but they just smelled like a funeral home to me I know that sounds really weird My gosh girl Yeah I was like is that your perfume like wow what a weird smell but like in that scene particularly I was just like wow he just like this movie smells like death and I'm like I think it's just the people next to me but like I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to put that on the movie too <laughs> Um but yeah they so ordered
1: the Cheeto popcorn That's probably all it was <laughs>
0: Um, but yeah, no, like that, that is such a good scene, and 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 oh my goodness, he's he's so like he's so rigid in it too, right? Like he doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's funny because like that first scene we do see, he is very mobile. Like he he can fight and he's he's fast, he's quick. But yeah. like in this scene, he's so he's just so rigid. Um, and yeah, it's it's really great. Uh, And that camaraderie with him and Gordon is phenomenal right from the get go. Um, I I think the fact that I so I'm pretty sure PG-13 movies are allowed to have one F word. Um, And I I loved their use of the F word uh, that the commissioner uses. Um, right. Like he shows up also it threw me how high pitched his voice was it. I found that very jarring. Do you, did that, did you notice that like when he comes in, he's like, what's he doing here? Like, cause it's like, this. he's like a big man. He's, you know, he's got a big beard. He's, he's burly looking, but he has this very high pitched voice. And I just found that very alarming, like not in a bad way, but I was just like, wow, I can't believe that's what he sounds like. Um, yeah
1: no. there was like mix of accents going on yeah and there was there was other people too. It sounded like they were trying to channel the Godfather, which I get with you know there's a lot of mobsters in this but yeah there was the, <laughs> there was those crazy accents and then Godfather voices coming through, and a lot of people
0: <laughs> uh, um well, actually, speaking of voices, what do you think of Robert Pattinson's Batman voice?
1: Oh excellent. He has you know I was a little concerned at first about um edward cullen uh making his move into batman because it's just you know a whole different world but his voice is great um i felt listening to his voice he did remind me a lot of christian bale in the nolan trilogy um some of the times when he'd talk he had the same kind of tonation about it but that's that's mm. good because you know christian bale did it very well also um and he has the right chiseled jaw for it he just he just fit just everything about that role. It just was, it was fantastic for me.
0: Yeah. I'm right with you. I, I, I loved his Batman voice. I, I found it better than Bale's. Um, cause Batman begins Batman voices, right? That's the swear to me. <laughs> like it's all, it's yeah. so <laughs> over the top. Um, like it doesn't bother me. I I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was perfect for that movie. Like he's trying to be terrifying. Yeah. Um, but well, I like, you know,
1: that- I, Oh, sorry, Carl. Uh, You know, the uh, Christian Bale's version, too, you know, he's he's more Bruce than he is this monster. So he doesn't Mm. want people to know he's this monster until Dark Knight Rises and he's kind of just like letting it out, like whatever. Um, (laughs) But then uh, the Batman, you know, Robert Pattinson's version, he Bruce is a nobody. So when he uses his regular voice, he can talk however he wants because people don't really know what Bruce sounds like. Nobody. He doesn't talk to people. He doesn't come out in the light you know, that funeral was a rare moment where he actually made a public appearance and was very uncomfortable through it.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I found what I really enjoyed about his voice is that it's, there's almost a, especially in that first scene where he speaks, speaks more than just saying I'm vengeance. Um, there's almost like a whispered quality to it, which I felt like matches the character perfectly. Like he is a, he is a character who is mm-hmm. in the shadows like he's he's yep. not loud he's not booming the only time he gets excitable in his batman voice is when he has that interview with the riddler right like what have you done what have you right mm-hmm. like and in that scene i was like ooh like when he calls him a pathetic psychopath that is an ex- like i think there that's almost an exact line that christian bale's batman says to the joker in that interview scene Man. and he sounds he he like the, the cadence of it the tonality to me it's like he's doing christian bale here um and and again i don't think like he's not aping it i don't think he's just simply copying it but he's he's letting himself be this more like demonstrative batman because yeah. every other scene like i mean he's essentially just being a detective and he's he's got more of that whispered quiet voice um yeah. it's just really in that scene where he's interviewing the riddler in arkham that he he really does seem to channel some of the christian bale batman voice
1: well i think i think that's a moment too where you know he really wants to differentiate himself from people like the riddler because you know when he's at the funeral he's walking mm. by these people who um, you know, talk about how they're in the shadows and then they they fall back into the shadows. And they're the same people that uh, at the at the end in the uh, Gotham Square Garden, they're the ones doing the shootings and following the Riddler. And the Riddler says, we're just alike. And so, you know, we're these, we're these people behind these masks that can do these things. And we live in the shadows and here we are. And the Batman just didn't want to be anything like the Riddler. He is not like the Riddler. And it's that moment where he needs to differentiate himself from the Riddler or other people like him.
0: That's a great point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, wow. Yeah. Well, uh, the, so the, the one public appearance of Bruce Wayne in this movie at that funeral, I thought that scene was, so I thought Robert Pattinson again was just, he was perfect as Batman. He, he, pre- mm-hmm. he presents plenty of charisma just with his facial expressions in a cowled mask. But that scene of him pulling up at the funeral, and he gets out of the car and people are like, whoa, that's Bruce Wayne, and like everybody's, you know, the cameras start flashing. He tries to smile. And like it's almost like he, he's trying it on, right? Like he's trying to smile on, but it just won't work. Like he doesn't know how to smile. Yeah. And there's like this pained look on his face as he's trying to be human here, and he just doesn't know how. And like Robert Pattinson just sells the emotion and, and the, the the pain that Bruce still holds. Um, mm-hmm. And so I know you've referenced a few times, like him playing Edward Cullen in, in Twilight. But after Twilight, Pattinson was only doing indie films. Yeah, um, I do
1: respect a lot of that.
0: Yeah. And like, I mean, I've, I've only ever seen one Twilight movie. I, I was young. I have no, I have <laughs> That's no <okay>. opinion. <laughs> Um, but I've only, I've only ever seen him in two other movies, but he was phenomenal in those other movies. Um, and just that scene of him again, like approaching at the funeral. I just love how he, he perfectly plays a tortured human being. He doesn't know how to be human and all he knows how to be is Batman. Um, and yeah. And, and the thing about that scene too is right. Like we know he needs sunglasses for the daylight because he's become this nocturnal animal he, he goes into his breast breast pocket to pull out his sunglasses and then Falcone pulls up and he sees what he assumes to be Selena getting out of the car and he doesn't need to put the glasses on. I love that little point. Like it's like the sun is too bright for Bruce, but like when he notices that that might be Selena, he can see OK. Like I love that mm-hmm. little that little note.
1: Yeah, I mean their their chemistry and relationship is just on point in this whole movie. Just watching them interact with each other, um, the conversations they have, the way they look at each other—it just it was just a natural chemistry between those two. Hmm.
0: Let's talk about them—the horniest bad couple <laughs> to have ever been. I mean, they're so hot, like both of them. They're incredibly sexy when they're together. Um, oh
1: yeah, they. I mean, you know, they—they they really just—it's—it's hard to put it into words what it is that that oh, I feel about them. They—they they just bring it together for me. <laughs>
0: like, I—I I put a lot of the credit to Zoe Kravitz. I mean, she just she plays an incredibly sensual Selena Kyle. Like, again, Batman Returns, Michelle Pfeiffer. She's—I mean, she's she's almost like she's very over the top, but that's kind of what that movie was. I mean, she's certainly her own version of hot, but Zoe Kravitz just, I don't know. She just like elevates that so much. And like her, I mean, the very first shot of her is her walking into the penguins office. while Batman's interrogating him. And just like that shot of her walking in with those boots. And I mean, she is, she's just absolutely gorgeous. Um, and i love how batman even freezes up right like even he and and penguin notices that like he's kind of looking at him like oh yeah he's uh he's getting a little excited in that bat suit you know um <laughs> so yeah they are they are so good together so good together you
1: know and her her version of it you know she's just they're both very passionate and loving in their own way and for her she you know, we, we, we've we texted back and forth about all this stuff and she talks about how she has a thing for strays and that's why she has so many cats. But, you know, that really talks about, you know, with Annika and how she's trying to take care of her friend and, you know, breaking into this house and trying to get her passport and, you know, capturing the guy who kills Annika and willing to kill him um, to make amends for this. And just, you know, you can tell that she can tell even that that Batman doesn't have like any anybody like that in his life and needs something like that, and she's able to give him that that love and care. But you know, she she tells him how she can take care of herself. She already has that that freedom from the mask as safety, whereas the Batman doesn't really have that yet. And she's more her own person. You know, she takes her mask off. You know, after, I think I only saw her in it maybe once or twice, and then she just really just let it fly and just the like costume otherwise. Um, and she has this freedom and doesn't really. Care who's on the other side of that mask. She just knows that that's who he is, but he just still needs somebody.
0: Yeah, that's that's a great point. Well, and something you were you were texting me about, and I just absolutely loved this is she she's not an alter ego, right? She's and and Mm-mm. they were very clear before the movie came out, like she's not quite Catwoman yet. Um, she's just Selena Kyle, and her outfit is really just practical like she every now and then pulls off these scores but it, it's pretty clear that she doesn't really seem to be a cat burglar because when Batman goes to her apartment with her after you know her, her her roommate's been abducted he picks up that bill right like he looks at the past due electric bill yeah so she's clearly not making a living off of robbing people right because I don't think she'd have <laughs> any problem paying her bills if that were the case um, and I've I've heard other folks speculating about her relationship with, with Annika. Um, and you know, so Zoe Kravitz has said right from the get go that she interprets Selena Kyle as, as a bisexual character. Um, Mm -hmm. and I, that's great. Like, I I love that. Um, but I don't think that Annika and her are romantically involved. I think she has like a motherly love for her. Like that's, that's the way I interpreted it. Um, you know, like and that, that, I think that that simple line, I have a thing for strays, that is who that's who she is. That's her character is in light of the trauma she's faced being orphaned at a young age and kind of being cast aside by by society. um, She has taken it upon herself to look out for others like her. Um, And that's how I interpret her relationship with Annika. And again, like I don't I have no qualms with the fact that that if they may in fact have a sexual relationship, cool, like that's great. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it's something more than that. Like I do like I I feel like they probably cuddle up at night, but they're not sleeping together, if that makes sense. Um, And they cuddle up because she kind of is the the maternal role. And And that's kind of what I really love about her character in this movie. Um, how how did you, how did you see that relationship with her and Annika?
1: Yeah, I saw it more as like, you know, the deep bonds of a sister, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the being the bigger sister, the two, the one who has more of that strength inside of her, whereas Annika seemed to be a little more, um, insecure and a little bit more scared and timid. Um, Selena had this just aura about her that she was she was independent. She's been independent for a long time. You know, her mother was killed when she was little and her father just watched her get taken away. And I think that was the moment where she realized that I'm on my own. I fend for myself, but she, she wanted to be able to mother others. Like you were saying, um, in, in a way that she felt, you know, she didn't have growing up after her mother was killed and she wants to fulfill that in some way.
0: Mm, yeah. Uh, that just made me, th- I was going to ask you, um, so, oh, shoot. Oh, so did when she reveals that Falcone is her father, did that surprise you? Did you have a reaction to that?
1: Um, it didn't necessarily surprise me, but I it, it made sense. It, it made much more sense than her being his lover mm-hmm. Um, when, the, when they were trying to figure out what the relationship was. And you could see you could see the Batman getting super jealous, too, over whatever it was she had. With Falcone, and I think he, I think he holds people in this like perf- perfect uh, light, which you know one, that's one thing we can get to later with Thomas Wayne and how he views him. Um, but I think he had this perfect vision of her too uh, when he's ever since he saw her that first time, and then when he started to to think that maybe she could have been somebody in with Falcone, you know, she doesn't have this perfect image to him anymore, and it was angering him, not just making him jealous, but getting angry inside.
0: Wow, yeah, that's such a. That's right. Yeah. And I want to talk about that scene in a second here. Um, But I asked you that just because so the whole that that thematic piece of her being Falcone's daughter is right out of Long Halloween. Um, So that's in that comic. Um, You find out that she is the I mean, she's technically his illegitimate daughter because he's never Mm -hmm. recognized her. Um, I'm pretty sure in Long Halloween, he never like he doesn't even know it um, because that's just kind of the scumbag he is. Uh, The movie seems to imply he did know just but obviously just didn't care. Um, so like when, when she shouts, cause he's my father, like it just, I don't know. It fell flat for me. Cause it's like one, I was like, I kind of knew that from the comics and there wasn't enough build up to that point to make it like, I feel like they were going for like, Oh, this is a huge revelatory moment, but it felt, I mean, to me, I compare it to like in solo when emphasis nest takes off her helmet and there's like this huge musical sweep and you're just like, well, who the hell's that? Like it, it doesn't really pay <laughs> off. Same with like in episode nine, when you're a Palpatine, it's like, this is silly and, and like weakly not surprising. <laughs> um, so right. Like it, it just, uh, like I get why they did it and like I like that they did it because, it, again, it's right out of Long Halloween um, and it really makes a lot of sense for her character. Um, but I felt like that scene was meant to be like this huge like, oh, but it wasn't for me at least.
1: Yeah. No, <laughs> it, I didn't have any like surprise by it. It was just it was just kind of a scene. I didn't really have any yeah. feelings towards it. Just like, oh, OK. Yeah. That, OK. Makes sense in the story. Let's let's keep going.
0: Yeah. Well, and the, and then the, the scene does keep going because. I that's one of my favorite scenes in the movie because it's kind of her, it's her telling Bruce or her, her telling Batman her story. Um, it, you know, where she comes from just like him, she's an orphan. Um, but unlike him, she had nobody. She had to take care of herself. She didn't grow up rich like him. Um, and you know, she, 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 breaks him and this was something Zoe Kravitz was talking a lot about in interviews before the movie even came out. She said, you know, she's like what my character kind of presents to Batman in this story is she kind of shakes him to his core and opens him up. So there's there's more than just beating up bad guys. Like there is there is a broken system in Gotham and I am I am a victim of that broken system. Now, Amy, what didn't surprise me at all Is but I loved it. Is her line when she says, "All anybody cares about in this town are white privileged assholes." Of course, every (laughs) right wing pundit was losing their mind. They're like, nobody. This movie doesn't understand Batman. It's just because you know a bunch of jerks like Ben Shapiro who are white privileged assholes, just like the movie says, (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. are so uncomfortable (laughs) with admitting that they benefit from a system that oppresses others. Um, What? Yeah, I know. It's pretty surprising that white (laughs) dudes are pretty insecure. Um, But uh, that said, like, I love that she I love that that lines in there because Matt Reeves was so adamant that he wanted to tell a story that's relevant to our times. That is true. Like, I'm sure some of you might be turning this off at this point, which I'm sorry if that's the case, but like white privilege has been an oppressive force in our culture. And I love that Selena with just one simple line, like makes that connected to our real world.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and she's talking about being a victim of a system that doesn't see her and doesn't care about her. Bruce has never known that because he's always had privilege, not just because he's a billionaire. Um, so I feel like, and, and I love that moment too, because then Bruce says, I'm sorry for what I said. Like I, and she's like, ah, oh, it's okay. Like she's probably so used to like people like maybe saying that, but I think he really means it, you know? And I yeah. I love that moment. It, it was one of the, one of the first scenes I, I teared up in, in the movie. Cause it's like, wow, Batman is saying, sorry. And, and, and it's coming from his heart, <laughs> you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. And you know, with this idea of orphan too, at the end when the Batman's talking to the Riddler and, you know he, the Riddler sitting there and doing his deep voice of the Bruce, mm. and you know getting, getting the Batman a little nervous what's coming. But he's really just talking about how it's the only one that they didn't get. And you know, they, it started. Uh, the Riddler started talking about how, you know, everybody started uh, when when Thomas Wayne died. Everyone was feeling so bad for Bruce, this orphan. But what about the real orphans? And talking about living mm. thirty to a room um getting hook on the drugs and everything um from the start and you know every winter a baby dies and for a moment there listening to him talk i felt shame that i've ever felt bad for brain for being an orphan and you know i still i still feel like i should because you know his parents died brutal like that was horrible to to live through but then you really think about it like you know he he did grow up in this this white privilege world this billionaire's world um, which is different than being an actual orphan that has to live through an orphanage, and I've never had to go through that, and I can't even imagine uh, what that's like.
0: Yeah, well, and that's one of the. the to me, uh, after after I saw the movie a second time, when I was driving home, I immediately thought of how um, Gotham is essentially just Gotham represents institutions, right? And, and and living in the world I live in, I thought of I thought of the church, like um, specifically the Catholic Church. And it's this institution that has abused people, right? And in, and in all sorts of ways. I'm not just talking about the, the, the worst of it, but like it's abused people by excluding people, right? Um, and I was thinking about how both – uh, all three of these main characters, Batman, Catwoman, and Riddler, are all victims of trauma from the abuse of that institution. And they all approach it differently. So Batman, okay. his approach is I'm going to stay and I'm going to fight to make this place better. Right and like and that's that's his heroic call. His heroic call is to be the one who stays in the mud and tries his best to make it better. Catwoman's heroic move is to is to leave. It's to just to move on. I love at the end of the movie when she says to Batman, "Were you asking me to stay?" He doesn't say yes. I think he understands that she can't be here right now, if ever again, because this place hurt her so much. And there's a an incredible strength to just leaving. So she leaves, and that to me is what makes Selena the the hero in her story for this movie. So this institution abused her. She, she is not required to stay and work to fix it. She just leaves. That's heroic. The Riddler is the only one who gets it somewhat wrong. His response to that to that trauma, um, and it sounds like he honestly had it the worst of all three of them. His response, though, is I'm going to kill the people that did this to me, right? I'm going to kill them and I'm going to expose it and just kind of let it fall apart. You know, he doesn't have a solution other than it it, in a a similar way to the Joker in Dark Knight. It's just let it burn, right? Um, It sucks. It hurt me. Screw it. Let it burn, right? Like that's to me kind of the Riddler's response. And I just found that like wildly impressive and again like my interpretation was looking at it through the lens of kind of this religious institution but i think it works well for just approaching any sort of institution political system political party right like you you are part of a system that's broken and it hurt you so how do you respond and i think each of them respond in their own way um and i think there's rationale to why they all respond the right way or right how they all respond i think selena has a heroic choice. Batman makes a heroic choice. Riddler makes a sadistic choice.
1: Yeah. But you know what? There's a lot of people that view the Riddler as a hero yep. too. And, you know, he has that that chat room going and people mm. giving him feedback on what weapons to use, what artillery, what, uh, what uh, to wear, how to get the right mask, and helping everybody else in the chat too who want to... Um, go to the the Gotham Square Garden. And uh, there were so many people that showed up for that, too, that were following him. And he just had this, this, you know, all these people viewing him as the hero of all of this. And you could see in some of them to look a little surprised when the Batman dropped out and wasn't on their side.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, Riddler is torn up at the end of the movie when he sees that Batman is there helping people, Mm -hmm. um, not helping his little army. So yeah. And uh, yeah, I I was listening to an interview with Matt Reeves last week. So it's, it's come out in light of the movie. So he's not, he's not particularly spoiling things, but he's addressing like, you know, plot points from the movie and the interviewer asked him like, Hey, like obviously he wrote this movie several years ago because he started it in 2019. Obviously the pandemic hit and just made all sorts of delays. Um, But they were like, Hey, like, did you notice that your, the story you wrote was going to have such strong parallels to the world we're currently living in? And Matt Reeves said, like, I mean, I think pretty much hinting at the insurrection at the Capitol last year, right? Um, mm-hmm. Where you had a psychotic leader telling other psychotic people to do violence, Um and, uh, and and Matt Reeves was really quick to say, like, well, obviously that all happened after I wrote the story. But he said, but we were seeing already the impact of social media on radicalizing people. Right. And and giving them spaces to radicalize one another and the danger that that can present. Right. Like they are a small minority for sure. Thank God. But they can still create such chaos. Um and uh, I won't lie, Amy, like the, that end of the movie when, you know, you got that like it's so iconic, right? The, the, the ceiling shatters and boom swoops down Batman. I love as he beats the shit out of those people. Like, I know that's horrible <laughs> to say, but like, um, I mean, granted, it's not the best thing to do because that that's helped radicalize them, to be fair. Right. I mean, Batman is responsible for the Riddler in a lot of ways. Um,
1: yeah. But, you know, then he, he injected the Bane venom in him. Dude, to get going and you just like hear him like with this rage growl and it was just like
0: whoa that's such a great uh, that is that bane yeah you're right because it's kind of like a green color yeah i thought it was just like a hype uh, like i thought he just jammed an epi pen into him (laughs) because right aren't aren't epi pens essentially just like straight adrenaline
1: so so the first time I watched it, I thought it was. But then, yeah, the second time I watched it, I noticed it was green. And I'm like, Bane, oh, that's, you're making the Venom.
0: Oh, that's such a great. Yeah. And I mean, look, he becomes ferocious after that.
1: Yeah. Ferocious. Yeah. you just He just like has this loud roar come out of him. And he just it, I mean, and they were, you know, they were they were beating Selena. So he just he needed to do something. And that was his last resort to, to get him going. And they have to pull him off the person he's beating.
0: Yeah oh wow (laughs) he goes goes a little nuts there yeah um oh my goodness so i was gonna say have you oh actually something i keep forgetting to bring up and i i really love this point (laughs) um is the fact that bruce or i I should stop calling him bruce because he's essentially just batman batman narrates parts of this movie um, and I will say, like, uh, as much as I was kind of harsh on Zack Snyder earlier, um, I do I do enjoy the movie um, uh, The Watchmen. Um, the, the graphic novel is a, a lot better, in my opinion. But the movie is quite good. And, I, and right. Rorschach narrates that movie. Yeah, I thought that was neat. How like that? That felt very influenced by the Watchmen movie. The fact that that Batman is narrating parts of the story. Um and i love that his narration at the beginning and his narration at the end are perfect bookends he understands like at the beginning he's just he's very clear like i'm out here pushing myself to 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 battle the criminals to beat up the criminals and at the end he realizes his method is wrong
1: yeah you know he he talks about he when he when he's talking to alfred at one point in the middle of it talking about you know, the the fear and he hasn't felt fear like that in a long time. Um, And he's only feeling that fear when he's Bruce, he becomes Batman and he channels that fear. And and in that end dialogue, he talks about channeling all those scars and kind of like, you know, the anger that comes with all of that until you heal, Uh, which I thought was interesting too. You know, he's, he's trying to find a way to channel it and harness it for good, but sometimes it does take him over and he, he gets angry and he just starts beating harder and harder and can't pull out of it
0: yeah well and that's the thing right like i think that's the problem with i mean using star wars language once you start down the dark path forever will it dominate Mm -hmm. your destiny right (laughs) it's so easy to give in to anger and um right like me even like getting like yes like he's beating up these like crazy cult followers but it's like ah geez Mm -hmm. like i really probably like violence is like this this excessive violence is never it's never the right path to go um and I think again, like uh, I, I felt like this thematic element has a similarity to to one of the themes of Last Jedi, which is, you know, how do we win by saving what we love, not fighting what we hate? Um, Batman at the start of this movie is fighting what he hates. He hates criminals. He hates, you know, criminality. He's just gonna he's just gonna punch it in the face. That's his method. I'm vengeance. Um, and at the end of the movie, he recognizes. I have had an effect here, but it is not the one I intended. Mm. Um, and he realizes that he's create, he's radicalized a lot of people in the wrong way. Um, and at the end of the movie, when he's helping people, like he's, he's rescuing people, he's lifting that woman under the helicarrier. He recognizes that he's supposed to be a symbol of hope. He's supposed to protect what's good in Gotham. Um, but I think he's been in, he's been living in such a dark existence that he didn't even realize there was any light.
1: Yeah, and you know, it, it, he saves Selena, you know, I mean, he saves her physically in the, the Gotham Square Garden, but he saves her soul at one point too, so she doesn't kill that cop that killed Annika, um, because he doesn't want her to go down that dark path of killing. Um, and I, I, you know, I, th- I think that's one reason why she's able to leave at the end too, because... She had the scars, but she was able to heal in a way. She saw Falcone get shot and killed. It wasn't by her hand, but she sees that justice for her and you know she didn't she doesn't have that kind of blood on her hand. She can go and still start anew with with this feeling of relief because what she wanted to do, although she couldn't save Annika, she's able to save herself and go elsewhere and continue just just growing out of this whole um save and she doesn't have any of that that darkness in her anymore it seems
0: yeah that's a great point um yeah and well and i and i love you know when he when he shows up and saves her from falcone about to you know the, the choke her out mm-hmm. and she's about to shoot him and she says he has to pay and his response is he will but you don't need to pay with him. You've paid enough. I love, I love that moment. Absolutely love that moment. And I think, and again, like in this movie, that's an, I love you. Um, I mean, not, not blatantly like in your face per se, but that is him saying, I love you in a certain way, right? Like he cares about Mm -hmm. her enough that, I mean, yes, Batman doesn't kill. He doesn't want people to kill. Um, I mean, there's even a scene earlier in the movie when he and Gordon go into the old orphanage and Gordon pulls out his gun. He's like, no guns. He's like, "Ah, that's your thing, man. (laughs) You know, (laughs) like, but he doesn't like make Gordon put it away. Um, Yeah. But he understands that Selena, like shooting Falcone and cold blood there is going to haunt her far worse. Um, Yeah. And yeah, like uh, I just he he genuinely cares about her whole person. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I find that to be such a beautiful scene.
1: Um, Yeah. And you know, another beautiful scene too, was when Alfred was in the hospital and he held out his hand and when Bruce reached and and held hands with him, it's, it was just another beautiful connection between those two. And you could see another way of him saying, I love you to somebody who's been like a new father to him. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, even, I mean, he says like, I haven't felt that fear since I was a boy, you know, Mm -hmm. I thought I conquered it. I thought I mastered it, but when he's, you know, and driving as fast as he can back to Wayne tower, I, you know, that's that fear came back of losing someone he really loves. Um, yeah. I want to ask you an Alfred question. Um, so in the Nolan trilogy, Alfred in Batman begins kind of reluctantly, Helps him. Same with Dark Knight. He's always kind of reluctant, but always trying to keep Bruce, keep tabs on him of saying, you know, like, you can't do this forever. Like, bat, you know, you have limits type of a thing. And in Dark Knight Rises, quite literally says, like, I had a dream for you beyond the pain of Gotham. Like, I, like Batman needs to go. is essentially that version of Alfred. So, I took that perception of Alfred into this movie with Andy Serkis as Alfred, like assuming Andy Serkis doesn't want him being Batman. But I'm not sure if that's true. What what was your read of Alfred's relationship to Bruce Batman?
1: I think he's okay with him being the Batman because it's what Bruce needs right now. And he wants him to heal in his own way. And, you know, when they have those arguments about if Thomas was a good man, and, you know, it seems like this is why the Batman even exists is that he's doing it to continue on and, you know, do good. Like his father did. And Alfred's there to try to protect him. And I think that's why he opened the package too, because Alfred had been studying a lot of the ciphers that the Riddler had been writing. He knew what the packages looked like. He knew what the envelopes looked like. It said for Bruce Wayne's eyes only, he knew there was something wrong with that. And I think he was opening it in order to protect Bruce. Like a lot of the Alfreds always do. They're there to protect him in this new father role.
0: That's such a, wow. I never noticed that. Amy, that's such a great point that like he has been helping Batman with the ciphers. So like he clearly must recognize the handwriting. So yeah, almost like he is intercepting it. Um, what a wow. What a great catch. I did not notice that.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I don't know what, where they'll take it in, in future ones with his, with his ideas of the Batman, but I think he's, I think he's okay with whatever Bruce needs to do to, to feel okay. And that's, and he's just happy and proud of him and no matter what, like a father would be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, and honestly, that was one of, I mean, I have very few critiques of this movie, but one of them was that we didn't see enough Alfred, like, and maybe that's just because Michael Caine was so good in the Nolan movies um, that, uh, you know, and it's such a, that's such a quintessential part of Batman's identity is his relationship with Alfred. But the, the few scenes that we do get are perfect. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and, and I liked that, again, like it, 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 to me, it didn't feel like he's disdainful of Bruce being Batman. Um, I mean, he, he's actively helping him. Um, you know, I mean, I'm sure he thinks this is a little ridiculous. Uh, every incarnation of Alfred has seemed to think what Bruce does is a little ridiculous. But I feel like Michael Caine's was the unique version where it was like, you shouldn't be doing this. Um, it's not healthy. Right. Whereas I, I don't think that that's true of Andy Serkis Alfred. And I, and I really kind of dug that. Um,
1: yeah, you know, like even, even the scene where he, he gives Bruce his cufflinks and he's like, Oh, you're being Bruce today, you know, in, in <laughs> yeah. like this, like joking manner of like, Oh, so what are we, what what's going on today that brings this special occasion out? Um, but you know, Bruce doesn't know how to be Bruce. So he's missing his cufflinks. And he takes off his and says, here, take mine. You have to wear cufflinks. And Bruce asks him, um, and they're Thomas Wayne cufflinks, or they're the Wayne cufflinks. And uh, he asks, Alfred, are you a Wayne? And he's like, your father gave these to me. And, you know, was kind of putting him back in this father-son light of, like, don't sass me, boy. And, (laughs) like, like, these are for you. I'm trying to help you out. But, um, yeah, it's just, like, great chemistry between those two, even, just as um, in a father-son kind of light.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's it's great when, when he's in that hospital bed and he says, you know, I saw that fear in your eyes. I didn't know how to help you. I could teach you how to fight. So it, it is neat to like because that's always been part of the Batman canon from the comics is that um, Alfred kind of helped Bruce at a young age, like trained to fight, um, trained him himself. Like uh, that's often been a part of Alfred's own backstory is that he was a former like SAS agent for the British military, like. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, we don't, I mean, none of that stuff has been explicitly said in this movie, but it is very clear that he helped him get started. Like I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to deal with that. So I at least taught you how to fight. Um, but he also loved him when no one else mm-hmm. was around. So that's pretty darn important too.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, another father son moment, he sees the way that Bruce is looking at Selena in mm. the the camera picture. Yeah. and, and just it just you see Alfred light up and like this oh my gosh he's he's got a girlfriend he likes a girl something's happening do you need to talk and just it just seems like that great moment between them where you know Bruce isn't really saying much um, but you could tell Alfred sees that connection between those two as well
0: yeah <laughs> at this point I'd set you up with a chimpanzee if I bring you back to the world <laughs> all right Michael Caine I can't do Michael Caine very well um, yeah. Another thing I wanted to point out is another central aspect of Batman stories is the Batcave, right? There's a, that Batcave is always home base in Batman stories. That's where he goes. That's where he does. And he, he's in the Batcave for sure, but not a lot. To me, what I really liked about this movie is home base in this movie in a lot of ways is that construction tower where the, the floodlight mm-hmm. is. And I really loved that because... You know, just like his relationship with Gordon, his relationship with himself as Batman, his relationship with Selena, his relationship with Gotham, all of those things are under construction. So I love that like every time he meets up with somebody, right? Like even Selena says, like, is there a place we can go? That's where he tells her to go. That's where he goes to meet Gordon. That is the home base. Like it's it's not really the Batcave. Like the Batcave is it's barely in this movie, but we're at that construction tower several times and um I just I just love it cuz it's like everything about this story is about constructing relationships um among so many of these characters. Um so I love that they're they're constantly going to that tower.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't even notice that, Carl. That's a really great point. Well, thank you. Yeah, cuz every everybody ends up there at some point yeah. and you know, and it, it, it's funny, too, because when Selena's the one that's up there, you see uh, Gordon and, and the Batman both look at each other and be like, I didn't do it. Well, I didn't. Well, who's in our cave? Who's up there in our zone, man? Yeah. What's going on?
0: <laughs> who's playing? And- a- who, who's playing in our fort? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I, I think I think we got to talk about his relationship with Gordon. Um. Gary, Gary Oldman has, has always been my favorite Jim Gordon. Not that I've, again, seen a ton of other things to compare it to, but I think Jeffrey Wright is the best Bruce or Jim Gordon I've ever seen. He is so perfect. And to be fair, he and Batman get a very strong relationship. Again, I forgot to mention, obviously, year one, the the famous Frank Miller graphic novel um, about the formation of Batman Mm. and, and Gordon's relationship in year one this draws a lot from that. Um, But they have such a buddy cop relationship and I love it.
1: Yeah. You you know, and they have the real connection um, that, you know, they talk about with cops that they have each other's back. They are partners. Mm -hmm. Um, They, they protect each other. They help each other out in situations. And, you know, in a, in a police precinct where they don't know who, who could be dirty, who isn't dirty, what's going on. Everybody's dirty. Um, you know, and, and even Gordon, uh, is, is they just have this connection and Gordon, Gordon talks about how, um, you know, he didn't really know much about the rat and he's not concerned. The real loaders coming at, after him because he hasn't done any dirty work. And he, he can own that too, that he is a good man.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, I mean, I feel like, well, it's, you know, him in that we, we talked about that scene with him and Selena where he kind of stops her from killing Falcone, right? It's kind of an expression of, of love towards her, you know, you don't have to pay. And I feel like there's a couple of, and again, like in, a, in very much in this story, that conversation he's having with, with Gordon where he's like, oh, wow, he's after like everybody. And he's like, well, he's not after you. How do you know? You're not corrupt. Right. Yeah. And that's that's Batman saying you're a cool dude. And then la- yeah. later in the movie, right before he goes to have his his interview with the Riddler at Arkham, when he's leaving Riddler's apartment, he looks at Jim and he says, you're a good cop, which is basically I think you're great.
1: <laughs>
0: you, you know, <laughs> like those are kind of his little I love yous" to Jim Gordon in the movie.
1: Yeah. You know, which is a little different from the Christopher Nolan trilogy where. Um, you know, in The Dark Knight Rises, Joseph Gordon-Levitt looks at uh, Gordon and says, I think your hands are plenty dirty, Commissioner, that he he has just as much fault in a lot of this stuff. Um, and and this version of Jim Gordon is just, you know, he, he really is um, standing for what the justice is supposed to look like and doesn't have any of that corruption yet. You know, I don't know what's to come in future ones, if anything's going to change. Um, but so far, he's holding true to that that perfect good man that the Batman looks for. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, he's, he is, he's incorrupt incorruptible, kind of like Batman,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, which is probably why they're such good pales. Uh, and I also just like, I like that. He calls him man a lot. I'd be like, really got to get you out of here, man. Um, or <laughs> like he, he just like, he uses the word man, like as slang several mm-hmm. times throughout the movie. And it always made me chuckle. Cause it's like, they just, there's just such a, 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 a like brotastic friendship between those. Yeah. two. Yeah. Um, when and- they,
1: when they take the penguin and they're questioning him together, just like oh, watching the interaction of the two of them yeah. is just so fantastic.
0: So good. Also that scene is worth mentioning because Colin Farrell, like everyone has said is totally unrecognizable with all the makeup and prosthetics.
1: Oh, um, I know I, the first time I didn't know it was Colin Farrell. I didn't, I didn't see that ahead of time. So I'm watching. I'm like, man, this guy's a really good actor. And then when I heard it was Colin Farrell, I was like, no, y'all are lying to me. This isn't true. <laughs> and I looked it up. And then the second time I watched it, I was really focusing, like, is that really Colin Farrell in there? And I see it. Um, when he's like, uh, especially when he's in the car and he's driving and he's like laughing a little bit. Um, it reminded me of some of his other roles and I could just see Colin Farrell's face shining through, but much respect for being willing to sit through. I'm sure a lot of makeup to get through that, uh, that costume on him and just pulling it off so well.
0: Yeah, it, Colin Farrell has been really funny in interviews as well because he's like, yeah, the way I look at it is I'm so unrecognizable that if people hate what I did with the character, they won't know it was me. <laughs> um, but if people like it enough to look it up, they're going to be pleasantly surprised. <laughs> um, uh, but that's, yeah. that scene you mentioned, right, with them kind of questioning him while he's tied up, he's so comical in that and and, and – like the 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 way he and Jeffrey Wright just play that scene together. And he's like he tries to show him the picture of his, you know, the former police commissioner whose face got eaten off by rats. You know, he's like, oh, God, yeah, what are you showing me that for? Right. Like he's just he's so he's so funny in that moment. And then he's like, was well, this Riddler stupid? El, el la, like no la espanol. Um, so I, I've i seen the movie uh, three times now. And when I saw it actually this past weekend, it was the most packed Of the of the times I've seen it, Um, mainly because the first two times I went, I went early in the day to try to avoid crowds, Um, and I went on Saturday, and it was almost almost a full theater. People laughed so hard at that scene, and it made me just enjoy (laughs) it even more. Right, like that's part of kind of the point of going to the movies is you get to experience something in community. Um, Oh yeah. So like people were really laughing at that scene, Um, and yeah, he's just he's so. so good in that role um and i I even love like when batman first like is interrogating him at the iceberg lounge and he's showing him the pictures and he's he's like um he's like oh oh that's that's the mayor he goes shit i didn't even know and he's just like he slams him (laughs) against the wall and he's like maybe you should ask mitchell's wife uh too soon (laughs) like it's just like it's like super inappropriate but hilarious
1: Yeah, I I LOL'd real hard when he started waddling like a penguin because they wouldn't untie him. And it's just like, yes, there we go. That's perfect. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. But,
1: you know, but then you see that serious side of him when Falcone's getting arrested and he comes out and he's like, enjoy your night in county, you rat. You won't make it through, you rat. Like very upset because and, you know, he had those interrogations by Batman and never really gave anything over. Um, that wasn't already known or anything, just like, you know, talking about Alorada, all that. Um, but yeah, he never, he never spilled on anybody at all. And, you know, Falcone, this person who he's been working with all this time is the one who's the rat and you just see this new version of penguin. there, not even looking to just take it over, but just like, so just so deceived in his own way.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah and and obviously he's he's going to become the one who's going to rise to power now and and I hope we get to see him. I wa- I really want to see more of this. Yeah, uh, I,
1: I I question that. I wonder if he's going to rise to power um you know very publicly or if he's still going to kind of be in the background and leading a lot of stuff and letting somebody else kind of be the the front runner uh, of this, you know, another villain arises and kind of let him lead the show, but kind you know, running it from the background, like a puppet master.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, time was going to tell hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, well, I, the thing I want to f- kind of the last big thing I want to focus on, and again, feel free to bring up anything else you want. Um, is just again, like that thematic ending. I, I love how beautifully the opening and the closing of this movie show Batman's journey. Again, mm-hmm. he's on the hero's journey, not Bruce Wayne. It's his Batman story, and mm-hmm. right at the beginning of the movie, is he creates Batman because he's traumatized and he's hurting. He wants to help the city, but his way of helping is to just, uh, you know, attack to, to 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 be vengeance. So at the end of the movie, when he. For all intents and purposes, is almost willing to give his life to protect the people who are down in the water, right? Because there's that electrical beam that can, you know, if that touches the water, they're all fried. Yeah. So, the music there, and again, this is Giacchino's score for this movie. I mean, Michael Giacchino is probably only second to to John Williams is my favorite musical composer because he does he he's in the John Williams school of music, which is he composes music that tells a story and I've, I've listened to that soundtrack easily 30 times now all the way through. And it, it, I mean, it literally tells the story of the movie without seeing the movie, like just the emotion of the music. And he does as much as I love Hans Zimmer's music in dark Knight, the dark Knight trilogy. I think this just takes it to a whole new level. And Danny Elfman's Batman theme from 89 is awesome. Um, but this score is something special. So again, I mentioned earlier when Batman first shows up in front of that, that gang, you know, you get these bells played, but they sound like funeral bells, like, oh, crap, death is approaching. But at the end, when he looks out at that electric bunker and he shoots the, you know, the batarang at it to go fly out onto it, bells come in again, but they are played in just like a totally different way where they elicit kind of like this is a hero being called to action. Um, it's just a totally different different sound. Um, but it's it's the same it's the same effect. you know as those those bells are going, they're not funeral bells. They are the bells of like, oh, here comes our hero, yay. Um, so that's that's why I loved this movie is because it's it's the story of Batman becoming the hero. Uh, So when he's down in that water, he pulls out that flare, which, by the way, Matt Reeves has mentioned in several interviews that that entire scene of him with the flare is almost is almost just being lit by the flare itself. They have almost no exterior lighting for that shot, which I just think is. Oh, wow. Yeah. So cool. Um,
1: Yeah, I could see that. It it looks like it was it looks like it was just lit by a flare down there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, And. Uh, I mean, he is now the light bearer. He's the one who goes to the people in need and helps them out. And I love that. He, the first person he extends his hands to is, um, is the new mayor, mayor Rayel. Um, and before she can even take his hand, it's the boy from the beginning of the movie who immediately grabs Mm -hmm. his hand. And, and to me, that's just like, that's beautiful storytelling because children are always the first to believe, right? Like that's that's just, that's a theme in so many stories. Um, His children are always quick to believe because they have such tremendous hope. Um, So that young boy reaches out his hand and he helps him out. And then he, you know, you get that beautiful shot from above of him leading this, this exodus, you know, to safety. I mean, he is now the hero and that's, and that's his journey in that, in that final voiceover where he says, I realize now I have to be more, Um, you know, which is to me, it's like, it's a great bookend to again, at the beginning. He says, I have to push myself, you know, like there's like, there's this aggressiveness to it, but now it's like, no, I have to be more. Um, I, you know, people here need hope. They need to know there's someone here for them um, and with them. And like, it's so incarnational, like as a, as a person of Christian tradition, like I love the incarnational language of that. Batman wants to be among the people because he recognizes people are angry scarred Mm -hmm. hurt just like me like i am gotham again that beautiful tom king graphic novel he is this city and he recognizes that he needs to be the symbol of hope and that beautiful shot of as they're lifting that hell or helicarrier right so the first the first time we see a bystander interact with him is please don't hurt me now we have a bystander who's clutching his arm. He nods to her gently and helps lift her up so that she can be rescued. And as opposed to that opening shot, looking, looking down at him in the dark, looking into the night sky. Now it's looking down at him covered in mud and dirt and grime, looking up at the sun sky, right? Like a, a sun-filled sky because he's our hero now. And that's what the Batman is supposed to be. He's not vengeance. He's a hero. Um, and that's why I love this story. Sorry, I just. Carly, no, talked you just ton. summed it up very well. <laughs> <laughs> I just, oh, sorry.
1: You know, you know, I mean, it makes me feel more and more, you know, people he doesn't have that need to tell people he's Bruce Wayne either, because people constantly bring up, you know, Bruce, where have you been? Like Bruce, this renewal fund, Bruce, you don't do anything for the city. You have all this money and all this power and you don't do anything. And he never feels that need, or at least doesn't look like he feels that need to be like, you know, take off the mask. I am Bruce Wayne. Like, look at everything I've been doing for you. What do you mean? I don't do anything. Like, he just is always so humbled about it too, which, you know, I think makes him a really true hero when he's the Batman.
0: That's a great point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is, and that's why I love um, even the title of that track on the soundtrack. is It's called "The Bat's True Calling." Um, I mean, just an absolute beautiful title. <laughs> um, and that's it. Like that's Matt Reeves from before the movie even came out. He said, "This is the story about him learning what it means to be Batman." Mm-hmm. And and we've never had that story, right? Like the Nolan story was he creates Batman for a particular reason. And I think it was a really great story and it had a great relevance to it. Um, The Keaton version of Batman is he just is Batman. I I never felt fleshed out why he is, which is fine. Um, But this is like, he's, he's chooses to be this thing, but doesn't really know exactly how to exactly how to do it. Um, And I just think like, Again, because some of the early negative criticisms of the movie was, and and, and I'm going to say why I think they're completely wrong, but um, the (laughs) criticisms were, oh my gosh, we're coming off of a very long, hard two years with political turmoil and a COVID pandemic. We don't need another dark story. I think these idiots didn't watch the movie because this movie is exactly the story we need. The story tells us that the world a lot of times is broken, Mm -hmm. but we, but. But people that are broken can rise up and become the hero. That's why this movie is perfect for right now. Oh, yeah. Um, those critics just I just it's like, did you not understand the movie? Because that's all that I like, <laughs> I feel like they just went into it already, like being like oh, another Batman movie. And it's dark. Oh, it's stupid. Um, it's just like, OK, cool. So you're not going to watch the movie then because you've already prejudged it. But if you actually watch the movie, the story is so relevant to our times.
1: Yeah, you know, I haven't seen those uh, critics really sad because people people right now do have scars and people are trying to find ways to heal and um you know mental health right now is just it's such a question and um more people are suffering now than i think they have in a while from even just the pandemic and just everything that keeps happening over there's always something new going on and you know this is that little ray of hope and that this person who is scarred you know gives you that hope to be there and And help try to do something good, um, even if it's just just, you know, that one thing of of helping this one child who then believes in him, who may then grow to do something similar, because now he wants to be like the Batman. Uh, It just it's just a ripple effect that can happen.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, What else? What else? What else are you thinking about about this movie?
1: You know, the other thing that really stood out to me that we haven't touched on is just his, who his parents are and mm, that moment yeah. he learns who his parents are because he has this perfect vision of Thomas, um, especially, and, and Martha coming from the Arkhams and, you know, Arkham Asylum named after her in and out of asylums, seeing her parents, you know, her mother brutally murdered her father and then commit suicide and then what Thomas did to try to cover that up and, you know, for that split second being willing to believe someone like falcone who would say oh yeah well your dad did it to save his political career but no he really did it because so much and you know you see this moment where somebody who is a good man can have that moment where you're just so angry you do something stupid or something you would never do um you know similar to harvey denton two-face and the nolan trilogy too you know he was a good man and just had just was broken in that in that moment and did something that he never would have done otherwise and you know i i think i think one thing that's going to be interesting is now now it's kind of in the batman's mind it's made bruce wayne is bruce wayne the villain side of him that he needs to keep a little bit more covered because he has this baggage from his family that he never knew about and does that mean that bruce is also not a good person and You know, someday he is going to have to come to terms with who that side of him is and accept, you know, the identity that involves in it. But right now he can be the Batman and that identity can define him fully.
0: Mm. Yeah, I would. I mean, the thing I liked about what we got with his parents and their backstory here is I I don't think that they're bad. Like, I don't think Thomas Wayne was a bad man. Um, No. And I think that's like the point Alfred tries to make to him is like Falcone. So certainly when he tells him the narrative first, I mean, it's kind of similar again to something from last Jedi where you get three different versions of what happened to Ben Solo. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And only one of them is true. You know, Bruce kind of he gets these exposition dumps like three times in a row, um, which I will Mm -hmm. say that's the one part of the movie that feels like it drags to me because it's like, okay, he gets an explanation here for five minutes. Now there's another five minute scene of exposition and now another. That's the only part of that movie that felt like it dragged (laughs) to me. Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, but I think what's so great is Alfred is like he was a good man. Like he -hmm. made a mistake by going to Falcone. He didn't think he'd kill him, but he should have known better but mm-hmm. like i love it because it shows cuz again in nolan's trilogy he also he does kind of present that the waynes are like this idyllic couple they're perfect they're without mm-hmm. stain um so it makes you know makes his co- batman even more noble in a way but i think this is a far more realistic and better version because it's like the corruption of the city even touched your parents And and as soon as like your father realized how much it had like stained him, stained his soul, he was going to confess, but was immediately put down. Right. Um, So like almost like his attempt to 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 seek reconciliation was robbed from him because this city can't stand reconciliation it can't stand mm-hmm. the idea of taking responsibility for for your poor decisions um and i think batman le- bruce learning that will make him a better person um because it to me that makes his cause all the more noble um because it's like no one no one can exist outside of the corruption of this place um so because batman is not bruce wayne batman is a completely other character who can come in in a way as an unstained character to to go to work on on this dirty place if that makes any sense
1: yeah yeah so it could be you know, the Batman's incorruptible, whereas he could fear Bruce Wayne is corruptible as a human.
0: Yeah. Which like, I mean, they clearly have set up a lot of things in this movie that call like can clearly make for a sequel. Like, Matt Reeves has oh, said yeah. several times, like he goes, I wrote this story to be a standalone story. He's like, "I," and, and then as it got closer and closer to coming out, he's like, you know, I would be open to doing more. We'll see how it goes. Robert Pattinson has clearly said I would be, he's like, I loved this character. I loved playing it. I will come back as much as they want. <laughs> um,
1: yeah. It got me thinking about different, like who could be coming from a water or earthy type villains. <laughs> so I was really excited yeah. for what could come. <laughs>
0: yeah. I, uh, I mean, I really think we'll get at least another movie. Um, Maybe again, probably not for a couple of years, but, um, and I really hope we get one because I think, you know, as much as they said, this wasn't an origin story again, which I'm glad it wasn't right. Like it wasn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't the pearls in the alleyway again, but it wasn't, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it is an origin story in a sense, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. an origin of him understanding what it means to be Batman.
1: Yeah. Um, Well, you know, touching on your other points, too, it's an origin of what makes Gotham Gotham. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, God, I love this movie. I I could go watch it again right now. Um, (laughs) Go
1: ahead, Carl. Nothing's stopping you. I know. That's a good point. (laughs) There
0: is nothing stopping me. Um, So anything else that that, you know, you feel like we haven't touched on that is important to touch on?
1: No, you know it just, just everything about this movie was just awesome. It just they were just on point with everything, and I think I think we did a good job covering it, Carl.
0: (laughs) In half the time it takes to watch the movie. I know. Uh, Which is watch the movie. We did not cover everything well. Well, which is ridiculous because we 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 got a a two minute Obi Wan Kenobi teaser last week, and Jason and I took forty five minutes to cover that. So. oh yeah (laughs) um but no i i I think this movie is just it's such a powerful story about so many of the dangers that exist in our world um and the fact that like we can come out of a broken place and be a hero like they're not mutually exclusive Mm -hmm. um so yeah i just (laughs) that that was why i loved the nolan trilogy is it's it's a it's a beautiful story about a person becoming a hero, the cost of being a hero and, and, and becoming an eternal hero in a way. Uh, and that's what I wanted with this movie. I wanted another really great character story. And, and that's like, that's why the Snyder version of Batman just utterly failed for me is as much as I was kind of quippy about it earlier. I just, it never felt like there was a character underneath it. It was just, he was just a grizzly grumpy old man who just liked punching people and that that just gets old, especially when it's a three hour like that. movie's also about three hours. It just never like I never really cared for Bruce or Batman. This movie like it gets you into his soul and it tells you a very strong story. Um, that's worth believing. Yeah. In. So
1: no, go ahead, Carl.
0: No, that's it. That's all. That's all I got.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. You know he talks about. Um... You know, those internal scars that you could carry forever, but you can, you know, let them make you angry or you can harness them in a different way and, you know, grow from it. And we 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 all have our own scars and, you know, just finding a way to heal and just and just grow and let it let it do good rather than just let us bury ourselves in the anger. Um, You know, and that is like you said too, the difference between the Riddler and the Batman.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, again, and like, is the Riddler still sympathetic? Yeah, I think he is. Um, Oh, yeah. uh, And uh, but it doesn't make him right. You know, Uh, you know, he's still wrong. Uh, He still needs to be held accountable. But he also I mean, in that interrogation scene, Batman even says to him, he's like, you need help. You're sick. Um, Mm -hmm. And he's not wrong. Like um, whether it's he's sick with mental illness or not, I think is inconsequential is he's sick with with trauma. Right. Like he's had a horrible, miserable life. And then when he realized the people that are benefiting off of the system that hurt him, he's just he's angry, um, just like Batman is. They, uh, they just have different boundaries. Um,
1: yeah. So. Not even the system, but the renewal fund itself. Yeah. You know, that was supposed to be for the orphanage and then finding out that all these criminals are using it for their own piggy bank.
0: That's a great point. Yeah. Was Gotham as terrible before that? Who knows? We don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, it almost, yeah, it almost seems to imply that Gotham has gotten terrible in light of the renewal fund. Um, so thanks a lot, Thomas.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, it makes me wonder, too, this new mayor, Bella Riel, um, you know, the name Beautifully Real um, is how I was interpreting it. And, mm. you know, are they, are they going to bring some type of new, a fresh start to Gotham as well? Um, you know, they want to work with Bruce. Um, and is that going to maybe, um, you know, bring Bruce out a little bit more? You know, making these promises help a little bit, especially now knowing what happened to the renewal fund. Yeah. Um, but I, I see some great things for that character as well.
0: Yeah, I and I love her 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 little speech at the end of the movie. And Matt Reeves talked about in an interview how when they were shooting that scene, um, he said people were getting choked up that day of filming, because it again, it felt so real to them in light of just like the world as it's been the last couple of years. And Mm. this, this reality of, you know, we need to rebuild people's trust in, in our, in our elected officials, in our system, in each other and in Gotham, you know, like she is, I mean, I feel like her name, Bella real, You know, and real change is all over like, you know, when you're driving through Gotham, her posters are plastered all over the city Mm -hmm. about real change. And right. She is meant to represent something new for this city. And I think Batman rescuing her at the end is also realizing, again, like she is the character that makes him realize his calling isn't to just beat up the bad guys. It's to help protect the good ones. Um, yeah. I mean, Batman's always going to be beating people up. I mean, that's part of his part of his story. <laughs> um, but you know, it's it's going to be something. It's going to just have a different. You know, it, it'll have a different uh, driving force behind it now.
1: Yeah, so. I. There better be another one. Yeah, I, <laughs> I need another one. <laughs> I know,
0: I do too. I w- I mean, I would love it if they made this into a trilogy as well. I'd love another Batman trilogy. Uh, oh, yeah. I think.
1: You know, I'd really love to see, um, you know, bring in some villains for the second one, whatever you want to do. Um, you know, I have my own thoughts on what they could do water-wise, but um, I'd love to see in the third one kind of like the video games where um, the Batman has to really face himself in Arkham um, and, you know, battle different things that the Joker and Riddler set up together. Um, I, I don't know if you've ever played the games or not, but... It's it's pretty fantastic to just just watch him like have to have to work through these like mind games um, that they play with him and try to try to get the city back on track after just just Arkham takes over.
0: Yeah, I've never played those games and probably for that exact reason there's too much puzzle solving for me. <laughs> I'm not good at games like that. I'm oh my gosh, that would that would just cause me to like go to the the walkthroughs things on YouTube the whole time. I wouldn't even enjoy it. But I but, but I know people love the Arkham games and I I've only tried one and I just couldn't get into it for that reason. But I know folks love them. Um so yeah, I think that'd be a really neat idea. Um but but I will say like I think what I love about this is the fact that it's, it's about Batman first and foremost. It's not who is Batman in light of the villains. It's just who is Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and I think that's, again, that's something Tom King introduced in his comic run. And I think it's just so perfectly realized in this movie.
1: Um, yeah. Well, that, that's why I like that. They have the word the, in front of Batman too, because it's yeah. the Batman. It is, it is that identifiable. you are the one Batman.
0: Good point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he, he gets that article in the Dark Knight trilogy as well, right? He's like, people know who it was, the Batman, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but but <laughs> this is this is the Batman's story. Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, Amy, thanks for doing this. Thanks for making your first podcast with me. This was so much fun.
1: Yeah, thanks for inviting me, Carl. I, I enjoy talking about things like this it got me very energized for the night
0: <laughs> yeah i i mean i've enjoyed texting with you i know we're going to keep texting about this because we're going to both <clears throat> both keep thinking about this movie i think a lot <laughs> but
1: and, pr- uh, and probably watch it a lot more yeah
0: yeah <laughs> uh, I, can, I think it's april 19th is when it hits hbo max and i just can't wait so that oh, i just consume it all wow. the time at okay home. Um, well that gives
1: us a whole month before the obi-wan series comes out to just you yeah, know to devour and this to yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: exactly <laughs> Um, but yeah, thanks again for coming on. This was super fun. And uh, yeah, I hope all of you who, who were listening enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, um, that said, we'll be back in the next couple of days with a regularly scheduled episode of The Wampus Lair. Uh, if you ever want to get in touch with us, we're on Twitter at Wampas Lair, Instagram at The Wampas Lair, and our email is WampasLairPodcast at gmail.com. Amy thanks so much for being on it was super fun thanks for being the cat to my bat that was great let's go cause some trouble <laughs> um,
1: yeah I'll be in Bloodhaven you can come find me there
0: perfect it's upstate just like you in New York <laughs>
1: <So>. <laughs> in a treehouse.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you everybody so much for listening to this special episode of the Wampus Lair podcast on the Batman I am as always one of your hosts Carl LeClaire and for Amy we will see you next time here in the Wampus Lair.